Air Force veteran Andrew Juden and Army Guard veteran Mike Allen, founders of the Fifth Meridian Group, which is a transportation and security company that caters to the brand new cannabis industry in the state of Missouri. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. It's always great doing business with Navy Federal because they understand the military mission and the needs of the military family. So if you're looking for ways to save more each month, look no further. Navy Federal Credit Union offers members great ways to lower their interest rates and save more. Check them out at NavyFederal.org. All right, today we're talking to Air Force veteran Andrew Juden and Army Guard veteran Mike Allen from Fifth Meridian Group. So, Andrew, why don't you go first? Tell us what you did in the Air Force before we get to talking about business and entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having us on. Uh, my career in the Air Force started in 2000 and uh, ended in 2013. I was in the Missouri National Guard, Air National Guard, for uh, five years. Uh, the base that I was assigned to was the 131st uh, Fighter Wing in St. Louis. Um, it was a base that was bracked in uh, 2005. Uh, during the time frame, I was actually a, a fireman in the Air Force. And uh, So when the BRAC came down, they sent everybody uh, basically in uh, several different directions. Uh, I chose to go to the uh, Tennessee Air National Guard as uh, to do something a little different in my civilian life. I, I'm a fireman, and it got kind of monotonous doing the uh, the fireman thing in the Air Force versus uh, the civilian world. So uh, when I had the opportunity to leave the Missouri Guard and go to the Tennessee Guard, uh, I chose to do something different, something I'd never done before. So uh I uh, interviewed for a job as a uh, C-5 loadmaster with the Guard unit down in Memphis and uh, got accepted into the program and uh, went through all the training and spent the next uh, probably eight years uh, flying a worldwide mission in a uh, in a big, uh, oh, I don't know, big gray turd, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> One of the biggest. It is. <laughs> but uh, I got to see the world, got to do a lot of cool things, and uh you know, got to help uh, deliver some uh, beans and bullets, if you will, uh, through the AORs over in uh, uh, Southeast Asia. So had a good time. Uh, it was kind of different doing what we did. Uh, you know, we in the guard with the the mission tempo, uh, with the wars going on. You fly uh, several missions a month if you wanted to. You know, it was kind of like having a part-time job. So mm-hmm. uh, you might be. You might be eating barbecue on Beale Street on Tuesday night and uh, eating an MRE in Baghdad on Thursday. Um, and it was kind of, you know, it was kind of kind of different. Uh, we had the, we had an active duty tempo in the guard unit, and uh, they were flying probably around uh, five to seven missions a week out of Memphis and uh, to various locations. Um, so it was... Uh, you might as well call us an active duty Air Force unit, but so uh, we flew a lot and you fly your mission, you come home and you go back to work and go back to civilian life and go back to doing normal things and then maybe a few weeks later you take off and go go do guard stuff again. Yeah, yeah. Well, um <clears throat> before we get to talking about how you guys started Fifth Meridian Groups, uh, Mike, tell us a little bit about what you did in the Army Guard. 
Uh, I enlisted in uh, 2002, um, went into the Missouri Guard as an enlisted soldier, and shortly thereafter was uh, selected for uh, Warren Officer Candidate School and uh, Flight School. I uh, attended uh, Warren Officer Candidate School in uh, the uh, fall of 2002 and started a flight school in 2003. Um, I was one of the last uh, flight school classes that uh, went through Army Flight School that uh, had uh, Huey assigned uh, to the class. Um, for every class, um, we we got two Hueys, and we were one of the last cl- classes actually uh, had a Huey. And I was one of the for- fortunate few that got to fly the Huey all the way through from uh, primary, all the way through combat skills, and uh, graduated flying, flying the Huey. Um, stayed down there, did the Black Hawk qualification, and came back as a, a line pilot from Missouri uh, Guard as a, a Black Hawk pilot. Flew out of Jefferson City for a little while, and then uh, later, when the unit was moved to uh, Fort Leonard, would uh, flew out of there. Uh, transitioned um, to uh, the Tennessee Guard, uh, trying to get a little bit closer to home and trying to accommodate a, a, a civilian schedule that was kind of increasing in, in tempo. Um, and uh, there was the closest unit to me was an Apache unit in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. And so I was uh, selected uh, by that unit, uh, got the uh, Apache qualification out to uh, uh, base out in uh, Tucson, and uh, four months later came back as a Apache qualified aviator stayed with the unit until, uh, the unit, um, lost that airframe, um, in favor of getting the OH 58 deltas and, uh, went into the IRR. That's about the extent of, uh, uh, of my career. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing that. Uh, I got a little bit, of, a little bit of time in a Huey myself. We had Hueys and Cobras in the same squad and I flew the yeah. other attack helicopter in the U S inventory, the AH one, we're on the Marine Corps is on the Z model of the Cobra now. I'm not sure if that's ever happened before that we've reached the end of the alphabet on a particular aircraft type. So <laughs> I don't know what happens after Z if they go back to double A or if they have to come up with a different alphabet. I'm not really sure, but um, we've actually reached the end of the alphabet. We're on the Yankee Huey and the Z model Cobra. So because we, we kind of have kept both of those in parallel, and Hueys yeah. and Cobras are in the same squadron in Marine Corps squadrons. Because they have about the, the new versions have about an eighty percent commonality apart, so it works pretty well. So um, it was a, it was an airframe that I really missed flying. Um, it was uh, I was very fortunate uh, to have gotten to fly it. Fly it. Um, there was a period where we were flying a lot of uh, air shows, EA, EAA fly-ins, mm-hmm. breakfast fly-ins mm-hmm. across the state, and uh, we got to fly that aircraft on behalf of the Missouri Guard to two of those fly-ins, and it was it was really neat to see the uh, audiences. Um, response to uh hearing us approach and and after we shut down the people that we spoke to the people we met mm-hmm. the stories that we heard and just to see the emotions that aircraft brought back it was uh, oh, yeah. truly a, a period of my life i really value from, from looking back on it of having that opportunity to fly across the state and do that yeah especially from the from the vietnam era you know that's a huey is made infamous in the vietnam times but uh it's quite yeah. quite the versatile Versatile machine, one of the, one of those uh, classic aircraft that'll always. You know, the the joke in the Marine Corps was the when the when the black when the last Blackhawk pilots fly out to Davis Mothin and drop off the last Blackhawk at at the Mothball facility where they're retiring the Blackhawks, they'll fly home in a Huey because the Huey's still going to be around. Right. <laughs> so the uh, aircraft that uh, the Hueys that we flew in flight school were immaculate. Um, and yeah. when the air, the army was transitioning away from them, the air force who also did their, um, initial entry rotor ring uh, training in, 
Fort Rucker, um, was using Hueys and they took our aircraft and put mm-hmm. them through some type of modification. So while everyone in the army was transitioning back to, to the OH 58s or mm-hmm. the TH 67s or the new uh, flight school 21 concept, the Air Force was taking Hueys, modifying them, and still flying them. So uh, I, I have to give the Air Force credit there. They uh, they saw a good thing, and they latched onto it. And as far as I know, they may still be flying them to this day down there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, the Air Force has that Huey flight detachment, believe it or not. I think still they still got it. So talk to me a little bit about, I don't know if Andrew or Mike, who, who wants to go first, but uh, talk to me a little bit about um, the 5th Meridian Group. And, you know, um, actually, let me take that back. We're, it's a good good spot for for a break. Um, when we get back, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about Fifth Meridian Group and and your the security company that you're you guys are running. You guys started, and you're you're actually specializing in security for uh, cannabis and hemp farms around the U.S., which is definitely a growing trend. So, um, why don't you? Uh, we're going to pause just for a second. We'll be right back. Navy Federal understands the military mission and the needs of the military family, and that's why we've stuck with them for over 30 years. They also have great business accounts. We have all of our business accounts with Navy Federal. Highly recommended. And if you're looking for ways to save more each month, look no further. Navy Federal Credit Union offers members great ways to lower their interest rates and save more. By refinancing your auto loan with Navy Federal Credit Union, you could have more money in your monthly budget. You'll enjoy low rates and flexible payments and terms, plus... When you refi your auto loan from another lender with Navy Federal, you'll get $200. Members save more when they refi with Navy Federal. Enjoy low rates and flexible payments and terms. It's easy to drive off and save. At Navy Federal, members of the mission. Apply online or via the mobile app. Visit NavyFederal.org to learn more. Terms and conditions apply. Insured by NCUA. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Refinance loan must be at least $5,000 to be eligible for the 200 all right, we're back talking with Andrew Juden and uh, Mike Allen from Fifth Meridian Group. So, uh, we're gonna, Mike, I think you're going first. Um, talk to us a little bit about what Fifth Meridian Group does, and uh, more importantly, how did you guys get started and, and where you're at now in uh, your security company? The Fifth Meridian Group was basically formed um, to meet the ancillary service needs of the medical marijuana industry in Missouri. Um, you could sit and watch how the medical marijuana industries in other states how they were developed, um, how they were started, uh, what it took, uh, what, what companies that were, uh, and how they were positioned in those fields, how much money they made, and how well they did by the services that they provided in that industry in that state. And you can see each one of these little, I guess, unique little ecosystems building in each state. And you can sit back and watch and see that there's, there's a defined need for quality, security, for dispensaries, cultivation, and manufacturing centers in this industry. Um, there's, as you can look at some of the other states that have industries that are under operation now, they, they are a, a target of crime, not often, but occasionally, um, and enough to warrant um, having an armed uh, security officer there. You can also look in, and see transportation trends and, and so on and so forth. So as legalization kind of marched its way from the coast, from the West Coast and the East Coast, and, and uh, the uh, Amendment 2 was passed, in the state of Missouri, we were prepared at that moment to, to create the company. And basically, we, we, uh, we leveraged a lot of our connections, our associations, our friendships um, that we established in the Missouri Guard and our, uh, our years of employment in uh, Missouri Public Safety Career Field. Uh, Andrew and I both have been uh, captain for a uh, 
fire department uh, for I've been there 19 years, and he's been there uh, at least 12. Yeah. Um, prior to that, I worked for Missouri State Highway Patrol. We've we've all we've all worked in public safety career fields for well over 20, 25 some odd years. Um, but so we we use kind of leverage those connections and realize, hey, we can create a company that um, through the utilization of district managers in the major metropolitan areas, um, we can create a company that provides armed security officers and secure transportation and, and having been licensed to the state to, to, to do so, secure tra- uh, securely transport the cannabis products as well as the uh, cash and transit um, that uh, is commonly associated with the cannabis transactions. Mm-hmm. So we started the company, um, joined the uh, Missouri Cannabis Trade Association, began networking. And uh, one thing that's unique about the Missouri Cannabis uh, Medical Marijuana Law is that the proceeds, the way it was um, placed on the ballot and the way the voters overwhelmingly approved it, it was at 4% of the, or I'm sorry, the t- go straight to the Missouri veterans. So hey Mike, you cut, out, you cut out there just for a second. I think you've seen how much, what percentage of the. I'm, I'm, my apologies. Um, 4% of okay. uh, is the uh, tax that's applied to Missouri cannabis for uh, medical marijuana. And um, all of that goes to Missouri veterans, really? uh, healthcare programs. Oh, wow. uh, yes. Yeah. So all the proceeds off the Missouri program, goes to Missouri veterans. And wow. when Andrew and I, who've been lifelong friends, and again, we've worked in the same industries and grew up in the same home, uh, same hometown. Um, we looked at this and thought, you know, this is an opportunity that we can create a business for ourselves, um, run a business, which, which we knew we'd be an effective team at and uh, be able to hire veterans and uh, former law enforcement and public safety people that we know that would be good in this career field. Mm-hmm. Um, we can place them in these, uh, these careers in Missouri cannabis. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, actually my son is the one that introduced me to you guys. Uh, he's actually working on one of the places down there in Southeast Missouri and you guys are providing the security there for it. So uh, talk a little bit about, um, so we, you get where you, where you came up with the idea and the concept of it and everything. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, what kind of folks are you hiring for the security jobs? Um, who have you tended to gravitate towards? What types of folks uh, tend to make the best security guys? Um, we actually, it's kind of a, we'd like to blend our personnel. Um, sometimes you can take a, uh, a younger veteran um, who is trying to get established in a public safety career field or in a security career field. Um, you may be a guard, uh, a younger uh, guard guy. And uh, sometimes we pair them in a facility with a guy who's a retired, uh, 30-year retired St. Louis City police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that, that pairing works well. Uh, the facility likes the the difference and the, the difference energy that uh, each one of them bring and the different experiences that each one of them bring, mm-hmm. the different way that each one of them can relate to the existing employees. Um, so it, it's kind of a mix. Um, right now we, we do have some uh, younger guys working for us, some guys that are from the public safety career field who have just decided that uh, uh, Missouri cannabis uh, is a better fit for them and their lifestyle, and they want to, uh, to leave the public safety career field mm-hmm. uh, for this type of job. And most of the security requirements at a cannabis facility that, that's growing it, for example, um, I guess there's actually the way it works is there's, there's three different kinds of licenses, a grow license, a 
a processing license in a, uh, right. a dispensary would be like the brick and mortar store. Yeah. So essentially there's four, um, but three in the typical sense. Uh, mm-hmm. the one uh, is a cultivation license. Those are the, uh, individuals that they can actually cultivate and grow the plant. Right. The two is the manufacturing processing or infusion sometimes sometimes referred to as an IPM or a manufacturing facility. Okay. Uh, these are the facilities that take the uh, raw cannabis and extract the THC, um, from it, sometimes in volatile processes, sometimes not. Um, and they create the um, vape cartridges, uh, the gummies, the edibles, the tinctures, uh, shatters, uh, different, uh, basically different administration routes, different ways uh, mm-hmm. people can consume uh, medical cannabis that's created in a manufacturing uh, facility. And then at the end, their end supply point is uh, a dispensary. That's where the storefront, the brick and mortar is. Uh, where all the uh, products are sold. And then the last license is, is what essentially we hold is a transportation license. Um, and it's to enable us to transport the uh, cannabis products at all points in between Missouri licensed facilities. Uh, okay. And a lot of the security requirements, it, it's, it's Missouri law, right? It, it, it's not like the owners of the, uh, whether it be the uh, dispensary or, the cultivation guys, you had, these are actually re- security requirements by the state, right? Right. So when the uh, state of Missouri had um, applicant groups apply for licensure, um, in amendment two, they had a set state, a set standard or minimum standard of uh, state requirements. It was a minimum standard that these facilities had to meet. And then even that, they referred to it as a minimum standard, but it was still fairly high. And then it addressed things like technology, uh, your surveillance cameras, how long you store um, your surveillance video, um, the retention of log books, and so on and so forth. Um, and a lot of facilities, your application was essentially graded on how you exceeded that standard. So facilities took that state standard, the minimum standard, and built upon that. So the facilities in Missouri in their safety section is, is really well suited. They, they exceeded state standards in every uh, way that they could um, related to safety, security, fencing, lighting, uh, staffing, um, and because it helped them gain additional points in the scoring process for their application and thus being awarded a license. Um, so we kind of joke, you see nowadays sometimes when there's an armed robbery in a convenience store, there's a, a blurry image of the suspect and you can't really see who that is. I can guarantee you, you will never see those images like that if there's an incident that occurs in a Missouri cannabis facility um, because these facilities had to exceed a very high state standard mm-hmm. just to be in operation as related to security and staffing. Yeah. Interesting. So just Donna, you're probably not just providing security at the cultivation site where they're growing it. You're probably providing security for all three locations and in the transport of it also. Absolutely. Yeah. Now cultivation is the only licenses that have some um, facilities that have been uh, inspected and passed their commencement inspection by the Department of Health and Senior Services. So there's only a few that are actually growing cannabis in the state of Missouri right now, but other, the, the manufacturing facilities and the dispensaries are in the processes of being built out and should be coming online, I would say, uh, late summer, early um, fall, and definitely uh, in sustained operation, I would say, mid-fall. Mm-hmm. So no... Uh 
no um man, no manufacturers or dispensaries have been approved yet uh, no they're doing it in phases where i believe uh cultivation is uh the uh, um, first ones you know the mm-hmm. the, the, the the crop has to be grown. So they're the first ones that have the uh, commencement inspections and then yeah. uh, they kind of tear down and then as they hire more inspectors and, and assign them throughout the state, they start doing their own commencement inspections with areas that they're going to be responsible for. And that's how the facilities will eventually be all be inspected and, and be operational by the end of the year, ideally. Huh. <clears throat> Do you know the numbers uh, of the Missouri cannabis industry pretty well? Like um, how many, how many, uh, how many cultivation licenses were issued? How many dispensary licenses were issued? Those kind of things. Andrew, you can, you can, uh, you can share those numbers real quick. Yeah. So there was a uh, 192 dispensary licenses mm-hmm. that were awarded. Um, 82, 80 or 82, uh, manufacturing licenses and 62 cultivation licenses. The 192 dispensaries were divided uh, amongst each congressional district in the state. So there's eight congressional districts. There was 24 dispensary licenses awarded in each congressional district. Yeah. Um, the manufacturing and the cultivation licenses were just issued statewide. So there was, uh, there was a large cluster in the St. Louis area and, uh, you know, another cluster, a large cluster down around towards Springfield. Uh, so they were just kind of spread out throughout the state, you know, uh, randomly if you will uh, but the the only ones that were specifically designated throughout the state were the uh, dispensary licenses wow yeah it's interesting um so where are you guys where do you where are you guys seeing the missouri cannabis industry going i mean i guess you've got other states farther to the west uh colorado which is right next door to kansas but that you can you can uh, kind of suspect yeah there, the there's others follow you know right Right. There's other states you can look at and kind of project uh, how Missouri's is going to go. Mm-hmm. A state that's very uh, similar to Missouri is Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio has a very successful me- uh, medical marijuana uh, industry right now. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this to our neighbors, uh, now uh, the populations are different and the numbers of facilities are different. But, um, Andrew, what was the latest uh, numbers out of Illinois? Uh, for, it was uh, 44.7 million for the month of May in revenue. So you have to too. remember this industry turned that amount of revenue in, in one month during a pandemic, <laughs> during an economic downturn. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, and, and the numbers coming out of uh, Oklahoma um, are even more staggering than that. I, I, don't, I don't even remember the number for their uh, medical program out there, but it's, it's a number that far exceeded that of what Illinois was. <laughs> so this industry is still churning strong, going strong, still turning patients. They're uh, nimble enough. The laws are, are uh, allowing for curbside pickup. Um, they're staying open. Some industries in some states are being classified as essential services. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's an industry that is uh, it, it's here to stay, and uh, um, it's not declining in popularity um, or the opportunity in it. Yeah. Now, as far as, as far as your business, specifically the security part of it, the fifth Meridian group, um, how many of these, I don't know how, what, what, what you want to, what kind of numbers you want to give or give us an idea of how busy you guys are about to get <laughs> is the best way to ask. 
Well, it's hard to say. I mean, we uh, we started working with uh, applicant groups back uh, last year, this time uh, last year, when they're in the application phase. Then we did a lot of consulting and, and writing of applications or the answers to application and, um, questions uh, for groups. And we got really fortunate, was uh, lucky, we got to work with some national cannabis consultants like Point Seven. Uh, Canada Advisors, and then uh, A2C, which is a St. Louis-based company, and actually the ones that uh, wrote Amendment 2 and and got it on the ballot. Um, So we worked with a lot of groups back then. Then there was the approval process. So many of the groups that we worked with did uh, get their license approved. So now we're in a phase where we're assisting them in their build-out, getting um, basically assisting them to market and uh, getting them ready to go. We've got uh, guards on the ground uh, protecting cannabis at, at one of, of the, the two um, approved cannabis uh, cultivators in the state of Missouri right now, mm-hmm. um, and more uh, as they uh, as they start operation. We're just right now on the cusp of of where everybody's going to start growing, and this industry really comes alive. Yeah, and how many? Um, I don't think I caught how many transportation licenses they issued. Um, Andrew, you, you uh, may have checked more recently than I have. Ours 20, is uh, 33, but there's... Uh, now they're up to uh, 24. Uh, 24, 24 that's right. Okay. 11. Uh, licenses. Um, there was there was 22 initially uh, that had applied, and then uh, the transportation license is actually the only license out of all uh, four licenses that is open uh, for applications year-round. Um mm. The other licenses were only open for a short window of an application period, and then they were closed. And honestly, I don't know when they'll eventually be opening back up for applications, I'm sure, especially when recreation comes. But uh, none of those licenses are available to be applied for now other than transportation licenses. Okay. And are you guys familiar with the um, the, pr- the main problem of the cannabis industry is uh – uh, you know, when this first started coming on, especially in Colorado, I was reading articles about it where it might be legal in the state, but federally it's still considered not legal. And our banking system is essentially f- the Federal Reserve and federally controlled. So most banks um, in everywhere you go are somehow federally related or federally regulated and are not authorized to uh, do business with cannabis, uh, with the cannabis industry. Is that still the same? Um, there are banks that uh, it's actually part of our business is comprised uh, around cash and transit. And we have that business because the uh, cannabis-friendly bank uh, cannot do business or, or the courier service that would normally pick up this money and deposit it at the Federal Reserve cannot do it because it's cannabis um, uh, money. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there there is a, uh, a disconnect between uh, – Missouri banking and uh, cannabis money. However, there are a lot of solutions that are coming together out there. Um, and a, a bank can do cannabis banking, but they have, from my, my understanding, their reporting, um, the way they have to handle the money, the processing is, is tenfold of what it would be if it was just non-cannabis money. And I think a lot of banks are hesitant to take on that responsibility, uh, to take on that amount of oversight for so few uh, number of customers. However, like I said, there is a lot of uh, um, companies coming into that void, uh, filling it with virtual banks, and uh, you can 
in, in the state of Missouri, you'll have the opportunity to pay with a credit card in uh, many of the uh, dispensaries. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that is something that a lot of people don't realize that there are, there are workarounds. Um, but, uh, it is, it is an issue. And for cannabis facilities, they also, not only are they in a, a volatile industry, but when they do their taxes, um, a federal tax code called 280E, it's a IRS, I'm sorry, IRS tax code 280E, um, basically prevents them from being able to write off anything. So, um, they're heavily taxed, um, heavily penalized and the 280E aspect of it, uh, is really uh, cuts them pretty deep and they, and they hope, hopefully that will be, um, changed in the, in the months or years ahead, but, uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so in, in the context of entrepreneurship, um, you guys have both spent plenty of time in the military. You know, you're both firefighters. How does it compare to running your own business and being an entrepreneur? And one thing that I've noticed, um, as working in, in public safety or even my time with the guard, I was able to come home and, and kind of just check out of, 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 of thinking about it and mm-hmm. being emotionally attached to, to my career. Um, and then it wouldn't reattach until I started back into the cycle of getting back to work uh, the next day or, or whatever. And when you're operating a business like this, especially when you're putting someone out there um, armed, uh, protecting a, a crop that is um, high value, it's a high attention. Um, it it uh, keeps you awake. Your mind's engaged in the business constantly. There's no, there's no checking out of it. You're always thinking about it. When the phone rings, you're always uh, concerned about, um, is it good? Is it bad? Is this something that's going to move us forward or set us back? Um, so yeah, it's a, it requires that 27, 24 uh, seven commitment that, uh, you hear a lot of small business owners say it's absolutely true. Andrew, you, uh, you feel the same way. Yeah, I feel the same way. I had a little uh, taste of entrepreneurship uh, coming into this. I, I operated a company that does uh, emergency response training for companies like Procter and Gamble, and uh, you know it's not a, it's not a full time uh, business like this is. I was a I will call it a, a seasonal. It was a, a biannual or a semiannual. Mm-hmm. business to where we did out, went out and did training in the spring and in the fall and it was over with. So I had, uh, I had uh, the same concerns, you know, during the time we were in operation and training, but then after that, you know, it was all fine and dandy. Um, you know, like Mike was saying, you, you gotta be nowadays, we've got to be concerned with, you know, is everything going okay at the facility? Um, uh, we got three conference calls a day with three different, uh, clients. Uh, you got this, you got that. Hey, somebody called in sick. We got to get that covered. There's just, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of things in the mix, uh, constantly every day. You know, we, Mike and I talk on the phone every morning and be like, Hey, what's going on today? Yeah, we do this, that, and the other. And, you know, before the day's over, 10 different things have jumped up that we didn't plan on. Um, yeah. and with, with us, most of the work in a full-time job, um, you know, sometimes, uh, Sometimes your full-time job gets in the way of your, your entrepreneurship. But, yeah. uh, you know, you got to be good at multitasking and, and be able to, to handle those things when they come up. Yeah. Well, um, we're getting close to the end of our time, so uh, um, I wanted to give uh, give you guys the last word. Um, you know, if you're talking to somebody that's in the military, somebody's a veteran in transition, you know, and they're really looking forward to getting out and starting their own business, 
uh, looking for that vehicle to the fight of entrepreneurship, what kind of advice would you have for them? Go ahead, Andrew. I'll, I'll let you lead off, and I'll, I'll try to uh, finish uh, eloquently behind you. <laughs> I, I think, you know, from, from our experience through this whole process is just keeping the big picture in front of you, keeping, uh, keeping yourself away from being tunnel vision through whatever process you're going through, trying to keep a wide angle on everything. Um, because you can get bogged down in the weeds, and uh, before you know it, a lot of things have piled up on top of you. You've missed a couple things. Uh, inherently, uh, you're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. Um, you just got to roll with it and recover from it. Um, but as long as you keep your eye on the prize at the end of the day and, and uh, don't get bogged down with tunnel vision, you'll uh, you'll come through strong, and uh, you know it all works out for everybody. That's great. And, and yeah, I, I can really only echo what he said. It's, uh, it, it takes that commitment, um, set, set deadlines for yourself. Um, I'm checklist oriented from having, uh, the aviation, um, background in the military as well as a commercial uh, FAA license. Uh, I, I, I'm checklist oriented and I, I create checklists for, uh, just operating business lists. Um, and it, it keeps me honest. It keeps me on a, on a schedule. And as I, I want to finish that list. I want to check everything off just like I would in an aircraft at the end of the day. And, and it, it basically propels me through the day and, and gets a lot of things done. And it, it just feels natural uh, um, to me. Uh, Andrew and I, we hold each other accountable. Um, it, you know, if you're supposed to be something's responsible by a certain deadline, we hold each other accountable to, to those deadlines. And, and we understand uh, uh, each other. We, of course, we have the civilian lives and, lives that we have to attend to and make time for, but, uh, and that's, that's really about it. Um, I just, uh, now's a good time to get into, um, the market. Um, and, uh, I would encourage anyone that's considering, uh, starting their own business to, uh, get after it. It's a great time and, uh, we're really enjoying it. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. Um, if somebody is interested in maybe coming to work for you guys or, uh, just tapping your brain and uh, see how you're doing things, how would, what's the best way to get up, find fifth Meridian group? Uh, check our website out. It's uh, fifthmeridiangroup.com. It's five, T-H, meridiangroup.com. We have a careers pay, uh, page there that you can uh, view some of our job openings. Awesome. And if you're uh, interested in working in Missouri Cannabis as an armed security officer or perhaps as a uh, armed uh, transport officer, you have a uh, military background, a decent driving record, and uh, want to really work in a, in a really unique and challenging industry, uh, give us a, uh, give us a look and, uh, submit a resume. We'd be interested to speak with you. All right. That's awesome. Well, Hey guys, I really appreciate you, uh, sharing your story. Maybe we'll have you back on the show in another year or so when you guys have you know, checked back in with your, with your success. And we look forward to your future success. Absolutely. We appreciate, uh, the opportunity to, to be here. Thank you. You bet. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. You, you bet. Yeah. These three veterans are Oscar Mike. We're out of here. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>